I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the weekly catch-up here review from the Bullens with me, Ben Winstanley, joined as always by The Bobble Hat this evening to talk all things Everton. As always, we're going to look back on the week that's just previously surpassed us. Everton played Leicester City at the King Power Stadium. Results did go our way last weekend and we are somehow one point better off against the team around us. A little bit of a comeback to classic Everton, four games to go. Bobo, we're going to obviously discuss about the Leicester game as always, the away crowd, the atmosphere. Very, very good, wasn't it? But I also thought Leicester were very loud as well. Yeah, it was a brilliant atmosphere. I think it was probably the the best atmosphere of the season, especially what I've been to. And I, I haven't missed a game from an Everton game. I thought it was excellent. I thought the Leicester fans contributed to that atmosphere as well. I think Jamie Carragher said maybe post-match it was one of the games of the season. And I think it probably was. I think for a neutral, I think that's about as good as the Premier League's got to offer in terms of entertainment, action, key match decisions, two penalties... Um, yeah, it had everything. Second half was was end to end. I just thought it had a bit of everything that game. And like I say, I think for a neutral, if you were sitting at home watching that, you'd have been sitting there with the popcorn, wouldn't you? Watching, thinking this is a brilliant game to watch, and letting seeing two teams literally go toe to toe, go hammer and tongue at it to try and stay in the Premier League. So yeah, it had a bit of everything. So yeah, the atmosphere made the, a great occasion, so to speak, for the Premier League. It's a great advert for the Premier League. Um, but the, that away end, mate, yeah, brilliant away end, fantastic. And they're going to need us now at, uh, at Brighton and at Wolves to be to be the same. There's no doubt about that. But those night games, no matter where you are sometimes, when you go to a night game midweek and it is a big game, the atmosphere just always seems to just go up a notch, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant evening in terms of the atmosphere, mate. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I think Leicester made a good point of sticking the drum right next to the away ends. Myself and Danny, obviously the, uh, producer. the director, producer in the background, <laughs> he was obviously stood behind me and the drum was literally 10 metres away from us. Mm. It was loud, it was non-stop. That, it reminds me a bit of a championship club, to be honest, but again, mm. it worked. Leicester fans did. Well, they have those clappers, don't they, as well? Well, when I've seen them get rolled out, I thought, oh, we're in, we're in danger. They always hand out those clappers, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. And, and I don't agree with them, I don't like them, but they do make quite a bit of noise when the whole ground starts to use them. 
done. But yeah, like I say, it was a, it was a good atmosphere, mate. It was. But no, the away end was really, really good. Um, I think Everton players gave us something to go off. I think 23 shots we had throughout the whole game. I think I read a stat that it was the highest shots on either side, so shots accumulated together mm. that the Premier League seen all season. Um, I think it was over like 40 shots between the two. The XGA was over three and a half for each team, which is unheard of. Oh, it could have been 5-5. Five, five. It, it, it quite easily could have been. You know, we missed some sitters. Jamie they Vardy missed some at the bar, they missed the penalty. penalty. It could have quite easily been 4-3, 5-3, I, I honestly do think, though, that Everton probably should have gone on and won that game. And I know we, we, you're from the Midlands. I know a few Leicester fans. They've said the same, that they thought they should have won. But we'll, we'll touch on to pre-match then, obviously the starting lineup. Obviously, you sent me that that text an hour and a half before kickoff, before you tweet when the when you know for a fact the opposition have got the team sheet. Yep. What were your thoughts then on the lineup? Obviously, young James Garner coming in for Onana. Uh, Michael Keane cements his place in the team. You know, right back changes as well for Everton. Obviously, Seamus Cohen coming back into the fold. What mm-hmm. were your thoughts on the the actual starting lineup? No surprise to see Michael Keane keep his his position in the team. Um, Sean Dyche has favoured Michael Keane since coming to Everton. So no surprise there. Seamus Coleman was fit. He, he had an outside chance of actually making the game against Newcastle, but they opted not to risk him for that one. So again, no surprise that Seamus Coleman came in. The only real, I suppose, surprise for, for Evertonians was Amadou Onana's you know, space on the bench. That was just due to illness and James Garner came in. Um, but... But the, the team pretty much picks itself at the moment, doesn't it, under Sean Dyche? He, he does have his set team. Dyche at Burnley proved that he doesn't like to change players that often. He doesn't like to change his team that often unless it's a forced change. So no real surprise really, mate. Obviously, I know you're going to come on to, you know, should Michael Keane be keeping his position? Um, and that, I suppose that'll be a debate for later on in this episode. But no surprise to the team. I thought James Garner was very, very good. Uh, I thought, especially first half, I thought he was excellent. He really got himself around the pitch. He wanted the ball. He was quite snappy in the tackle. He, he gave us a lot of energy. Uh, I, I just thought he holds his position quite well, James Garner. I think sometimes that can kind of get lost in the emotion of a game. But James Garner didn't half pick up a lot of second balls or pick up like the third ball or win the first contact for headers. You underestimate just how much dirty work James Garner actually does do in there. Uh, And I was really, really impressed with him. Um, You know, he's coming into a team where he hasn't really played that often this season, a fast paced game. You know, it felt like a do or die game, Um, you know, coming up against a very mobile Leicester midfield with the likes of Madison and and Harvey Barnes and Tielemans, whatever you think to Leicester as a team right now and all their struggles, those three players that I've just named are, are, are very, very talented, very technical players and they can all get around the pitch very, very well. And I thought James Garner didn't have hold his own. I thought he was really, really good. And, you know, without going on too much onto Brighton, I would like to see James Garner keep his position. I really, really would. I thought he was good for the first 45 down at Selhurst Park the previous week against Crystal Palace. And I actually thought he was even better at Leicester. I thought he was very, very solid, very decent. And on the ball, I thought he was excellent. Always forward thinking, always looking to play it well. He's one of those players that... James Garner, he, he doesn't just pass the ball for passing the ball's sake. He zips it into people's feet. So he plays it with, you know, with real force. You know, let's go one touch and go again. And, and I just like midfielders that do that. They play with that little bit of zip. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with James Garner. I was really glad he did get the start. Uh, one time I do a was deemed unfit due to his illness. But other than that, mate, yeah, I, I don't think the team was of any surprise to any Evertonian before the game. Yeah, I think you quite rightly said again. I think I would like to see Michael Keane be removed from this team now. I think James. For who? Well, I said on the last podcast for yourself, obviously over on our Patreon channel. The link is obviously below. If you want to, 
hear more views from ourselves. But I've said Connor Cody. Um, I think Yerry Mina has got his eyes set on the summer move. If I'm a player coming towards the end of my contract, uh, I've got no real you know, allegiance to Everton, don't support the club, and I don't want to be particularly getting injured, especially with my injury record, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be throwing myself into you know, 100% into tackles. Um, you've got to think about yourself with these players. He wants his contract in Colombia. Um, you know, so for me, I think Connor Cody, he might be looking back at his Wolves, you know, he's going back to Wolves in the summer. He is a Northwest boy. He obviously understands the city, understands the culture, understands the passion. And I just don't think that he'd back out of any challenges. I think he's one of the, the players, obviously, within this squad. And you see it with England as well, that he goes away with England because he's a natural leader. He's a massive figure in the dressing room. My understanding is James Tarkovsky has actually said to Sean Dice that he wants to play alongside Connor Cody more so. Um, well, they're very good they're, friends, exactly. Tarkovsky and Cody. I will just say that. They are very, very close and they are very, very good friends. They see each other outside of football. So I can see why people would call for Connor Cody without interjecting too much, mate. I can see why they would. Um, and I do think they probably, Tarkovsky and Cody maybe have a better bond, yeah. maybe outside of football in terms of friendship more so than say Malkin. That's not me saying that's why you shouldn't start Malkin, but I'm just saying so maybe that understanding might help Tarkovsky a little bit. Maybe it'd help Cody a bit more. Um, but I do think, it, I, I personally think if Seamus Coleman's not playing, I think we need a voice in that back four because I know Seamus Coleman is the, is the voice in the back four. So when he doesn't play, the voices aren't so loud. There's not so many voices and I think that's where you then need a Connor Cody. I think you look back at when Lampard was here for the first few games, he actually started with a back three. He tried to play like a 3-4-3 three, three, and obviously Connor Cody was there. I think Mason Holgate was playing as like yeah, the right centre-back and James Tarkovsky was your left centre-back. And we were shipping a hell of a lot of chances at the beginning of the season, but we did have the best defence, one of the best defensive mm-hmm. records in the Premier League. Well, he changed that. He, he changed, changed that it, when he? we uh, drew at Bright, uh, Brentford, sorry. When we, we drew at Brentford and Mason minute. Holgate got injured in that game. Holgate went off injured and then from that point on, Lampard, Lampard then changed the systems and the personnel, yeah. So, like, like I said, that's always an option. At the back end of last season, Everton went to a back five and predominantly worked. It may give the freedom for the likes of Patterson, you know, who defensively is a bit fragile. You know, I'm not saying that he's really bad. He just, you know, teams target him. I think Harvey Barnes and Madison drifted over there to target him for the first 10 minutes when he was on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But that could give him freedom to bomb up the pitch and you've still got your three midfielders and you've got two players up front. So it, it's a definite option. I, do I think Sean Dice is going to change it? Probably not. Um, but on that Leicester performance, you've obviously talked very highly of James Garner. I agree on that comment. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, he was everywhere, tackles, flying in. Looked very tired, but obviously I thought Dwight McNeil alongside him yeah. was phenomenal. Excellent. He's probably been the, the one alongside Seamus Coleman under Sean Dice to be, you know, yeah. head and shoulders above everyone. He put a tweet on uh, and an Instagram message saying that he will not give up. I will continue to fight. And I actually think he is fighting. I agree. Um, I was very, very, very impressed with him and, and have been. I think he's the one that can, can be the shining light. Um, Dominic Avalon being back is massive mm-hmm. as well. He was very, very good, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And just touching on McNeil, I think what's so evident with McNeil is when you're in a relegation fight, you need certain players to take responsibility when they're on the ball or even when they're off the ball to go get the ball. And I think with Dwight McNeil, he's always showing for the ball. He'll always have the ball in tight areas and he'll always be responsible for what he does. And he takes responsibility for having the ball. And I think... He deserves all the plaudits that he's currently getting. Dwight Manil, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, 
I thought he was really, really good. Really, really good. Really pleased with Dwight McNeil. He had a really tough start at Everton um, under Frank Lampard. He found it difficult to kind of get into the side. He found it hard to kind of keep his place. His form had dipped. He even spoke himself about him struggling uh, since his arrival from Burnley. But since Sean Dyches came in, he, he's been a breath of fresh air. He really, really has. And you're almost seeing what, you know, the best of Dwight McNeil now and how good he was at Burnley for that you know, 12 to 18 months when he kind of came through the system and was almost shocking the Premier League. A really young lad here, England under 21, England under 18. And what a really, really good player he is. But yeah, he is, he's decent. And it's a shame, you know what? Because if he had blistering pace, and I know I spoke to oh, you. it'd be unbelievable. If yeah. he had blistering, play, blistering pace, he'd probably be an extra 10, 15 million pound player on top of his value. He probably would be. Um, but yeah, deserves all the plaudits he's currently getting, Dwight McNeil, and, and you just touched on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He needs no introduction, mate. Let's be honest. We're a completely different beast with him and the team. Completely different animal. We're a different setup, a different makeup. Teams then respect Everton a little bit more. It means defenders can't cheat. They can't pinch up five, ten yards up the pitch. They know they're in for a battle. If you're a centre half and you're, it doesn't matter who you are and who you play for, I don't care. If you're a centre half and you're coming up against Dominic Calvert Lewin for a game in 90 minutes, you know you are in for a battle for 90 minutes. You know he is going to work you very, very hard. You're going to have to win your headers. He's going to maybe run the channels a little bit more. He's going to body you a little bit he's going to get in front of you you know you're in for a game whereas with respect if you come up against maybe some of our squad players who have been featuring up front this season you, you know you can say to your centre-half partner go on you creep up 10 yards I'll deal with him I've got him in my back pocket it's almost just a psychological thing um, but yeah we're like I said we're a different animal with Calvert-Lewin and it's showing it is showing I'd probably describe Dwight McNeil as Lewis Vigo from Wish. <laughs> you know, he's not quite the Lewis Vigo levels technically. Well, but Vigo didn't have pace. Exactly. No pace, but he had one hell of a touch. He's very technical, could pick a pass. I think he's got one hell of a shot, but Vigo was obviously next level. But he is he is definitely Lewis Vigo off Wish for me. <laughs> um, but touching on, we're going to move on to obviously Jordan Pickford saved the penalty. There's been a bit of controversy. I think it was Jamie O'Hara on TalkSport saying that it was a bit the gamesmanship, sportsmanship was gone. Because nonsense. Absolute nonsense. nonsense. But what were your thoughts on the Pickford save? And let's be honest, goalkeepers doing their homework. It's nonsense. So that means when a substitute comes on the pitch, say a right back and he brings on a piece of paper to give to the right winger, that can't happen because that's gamesmanship. That's what Jamie O'Hara is basically saying. It's a joke. You know, you look at it, he did it all through the Euros for England. Every keeper, every loads keeper of keepers do it. it. Loads of keepers now do and it. And I think if you read it, it was, I think it was the three names, Jamie Vardy, Thielmans and Madison. I think Vardy was 33%. You know, you know, you couldn't predict where mm. he was going to go. Thielmans, I think, went to the right, I think like 60%. And Madison was like 70 or 80% down the middle. Mm. Um, 50. 50. It was a 50%, 50 yeah. was it? Yeah. So uh, he, he, he guessed right, didn't he? He, yeah, went, he, he went to dive and stood. So it worked. You know, you, you see a penalty shootouts after games in World Cups or Euros and even FA Cups. You see players going to the, their goalkeeper coach with the iPad and they're looking at where, you know, the, the list of penalty takers, where they've previously gone. They look at the iPad, they look at things. Jamie O'Hara, let's be honest, with all due respect to talks, but sometimes they talk about things just to try and create a bit of controversy. And that's all that is. Absolute pure nonsense. What Jordan Pickford done is absolutely fine. Do you know what it is? That's a professional with his goalkeeping coach doing their homework. So good on them. They deserve an, they deserve an applause for that. Jordan Pickford, um, perfect. He, he, he knew what he was going to do. As soon as James Madison came up, he was going to stand down the middle and he gambled. He went by the odds and it worked. Yeah, fair play to him. I was going to touch on, obviously, Michael Keane for the, the the penalty. We just discussed the penalty. I think we, the less said, the better. We, we've all seen him point to his arm to the referee to basically say, 
yes, I handballed at referee, but I'm going to appeal anyway. Strange. It was, you know, you've seen the still images and he's pointing to his elbow. He's pointing below his his shirt, isn't he? Sleeves of his shirt. Which is obviously, we all know shoulders up for debate, but, you know, slap bang on your forearm and he's going to the referee, waving his arm in the air, saying, hit me here, referee. (laughs) I mean, probably less said the better, so I'm going to ask your opinion on that. I'm going to move on to Sean Dyche's in-game management, the lack of substitutions, Again, I was going absolutely ballistic at the King Power Stadium, shouting and screaming at Sean Dice, rolling my fingers, um, screaming Damari Gray lay the whole away and basically wanted a substitution. Do you think he was scared to lose that game, hence no subs? Um, I'm not sure if he was scared to lose the game. I'm not sure if that's the right the right words to put together there. He is quite stubborn. Um, and we have seen under Sean Dyche him not making substitutions until the 70th minute and onwards. I, I'm I'm not sure really what to say with this one because I think it was crying out for Damari Gray even just for 15 minutes, uh, probably in place of Decore, whose whose who's race was run. Um, he looked quite tired at about 75. I'm just not sure with Sean Dyche why why he didn't make a substitution. Maybe he felt that the balance of the team would then be compromised if he did make a change. I, I'm not. sure Um, but it it leaves it up for debate doesn't it a lot of Evertonians were unhappy that he didn't make a change obviously the crowd was singing the Mari Gray Ole they wanted to see him on the pitch I'm I'm just not sure Um, but it's no surprise with Sean Dyche he is sometimes quite reluctant to make substitutions so it it didn't surprise me that he didn't make a sub but I think I think he should have maybe rolled the dice a little bit I think the game was so stretched and so open uh, and Leicester's back four, with respect, are pretty poor. That's not where their strengths are. I just felt if he'd have put Damari Gray on, it may have just given us that added bit of impetus, maybe that extra few percent going forward. And Damari Gray may have even been able to stretch them that little bit more with his pace, because like I said, the core race legs had gone. He'd put in a hell of a shift, and it was such a fast-paced game. It was frantic at times, absolutely frantic. And for Decore to try and bridge that gap between Dominic Havertloon in the midfield, you can see why when it got to about 75, he was done. Um, but Dyche has been criticised for this before and when he was at Burnley I remember on the Patreon channel you spoke to um, the top Burnley podcast and the, the main Burnley podcast and he, he was saying don't be surprised during crunch games if it gets to the latter stage because he doesn't make substitutions yeah, he won't he, he won't change it he'll, he'll keep his faith in the 11 no matter if they look leggy or not um, he doesn't like to upset the balance of the team so like I say it doesn't come to any surprise that he didn't but I think he should have and I'd argue, I think most managers in that position at any level would have made at least one change. And I think it would have been Decore off for Gray. I know Onana was warming up, but Onana was sick as a pig um, and he wasn't holding any food down at all. He was actually wearing a mask pre-game. Um, so he probably wasn't fit enough to come on in that sort of game. If it was a slower paced game where you're going to get a bit more time on the ball, maybe Onana could have came on. But in that sort of game where it was literally end to end, it was like ping pong at times, it was no place for someone that wasn't 100% fit. But Going back to it, yeah, I think I think he I think he should have took the curry off and put on Gray, and I think I think the whole away end would have agreed with that on the, at, the t- uh, at the night. No, I agree. Let's talk about the midweek. Then, obviously, injury updates. Um, Seamus Coleman, Man of Steel, Superman, shall we call him? Uh, Amadou Onana, Ben Godfrey. We spoke about it on the media roundup show over on the Patreon channel. The link mm-hmm. is below. Um, but just briefly, what, what are the updates? Obviously, Coleman had his scan. Uh, no ACL damage. That was the initial fear. Awful tackle, uh, innocuous sort of thing. It obviously didn't mean it. It just looked awful. The mechanics of the tackle was was awful. 
I think what's probably saved him is like his leg has actually gone with the tackle. If your leg gets locked into the ground, it probably snaps your leg. Um, so I think he's maybe lucky that his leg was able to, you know, get tackled and then flail in the air a little bit. Sometimes that can help a player because there's no then locking the knee or locking the leg into the ground. Um, but delighted for him. He didn't deserve to go out that way. Whatever happens with Seamus Common next season uh, or the end of this season, should I say, he didn't deserve to, to have his season finish like that. We need him in and around the team. So delighted for him. Onana just had a bug. Um, so again, nothing nothing serious whatsoever there. Ben Godfrey missed the game with an, a minor groin injury. Again, nothing serious. And that's pretty much it. Andros Townsend's doing light training on the grass. I've said many weeks ago on Patreon with yourself, Ben, whether we'd ever see him in an Everton shirt again is what for debate. And time is running out now for Andros Townsend. So highly unlikely he will feature for Everton this season. Um, and that's about it. I think I think everyone else is pretty much pretty much fitting and ready to go. We've got, we've actually got a clean, you know, the physio room is empty for once, which we haven't been able to say much this season or the last few seasons at Everton, have we? No, we certainly haven't. The care's hopefully lifted up. What are you mm-hmm. feeling about Everton staying up? It's, I think, I think it's a flip of a coin. Um, and I know that's me sitting on the fence there. I just think it is. I think you've just got to take it game by game. I don't think you can kiss goodbye to any game. Obviously Leeds face Manchester City this weekend and Everton face Manchester City next weekend. I don't think either club are in any position to kiss goodbye a game. I think you've got to go into every game thinking, right, we need a point here minimum. You need to get something. Because if you look at the the, um, the fixtures this weekend, if Everton and Leeds, say, both lose, Everton lose at Brighton and, and Leeds lose at Man City, respectfully, and Leicester win at Fulham and Nottingham Forest beat Southampton, what a massive swing that is then for the Midland clubs. And, and Leicester and Forest, then we were looking at the league table thinking, well, we're now four points. Forest will think, and Leicester, yeah, they're now four points clear of Everton. And three ahead of Leicester, Everton Leicester then are in a real hole with only three to go, and all the pressures then shifted over to Everton and Leeds. So I just don't think you can kiss goodbye to any game, and I think that goes for every club. I think there's going to be a few more twists and turns, and I've said to you for a little while, Ben, in a relegation running, there's always a freak result somewhere along the line. There's always a game that throws the relegation fight cat amongst the pigeons. It just blows it up whether it'll be Everton beating Man City. Yeah, or, that's or, what's going to happen. I know you think that. Or whether, you know, Forrest, I know this isn't well, probably wouldn't be a shock to many people, but Forrest, <laughs> Forrest win away. Chelsea, that's probably not as big of a shock. Super Frank, shock shock as, for yeah, second time. That's probably not as big of a shock as it would have been in previous years. But you get Madrid, there's always one game yeah. that just turns the tide. And I don't think it's happened yet. I don't think it's happened for any of those four clubs. But you just get the feeling it is coming. Obviously with time running out, it's going to come. Uh, and we've just got to hope that Everton, you know, are one of the two clubs that can survive. Well, don't write out Southampton out just yet as well. I know they're bottom of the league and they're probably the least likely to stay up. But if they go to Forest on Monday and win, they're then going to fancy themselves. I think that's the one positive with Forest Southampton, by the way, Ben. When Southampton go to Forest on Monday, Southampton are still fighting. I think that is a positive. If Southampton were down and out, it might have been a foregone conclusion at the city ground, but a point there would be perfect for us. I could tell Bob was serious, then he started pointing at me as I he was, was talking. Yeah, very serious. Do but or die now. That Monday coming up is going to be one hell of a day. Three games, uh, all staggered. Three yeah. games, I think there's one um, twelve half 12, then there's one at half five. Leicester and, Fulham at Fulham. And then it's eight o'clock. It's going to be one hell of a day. Obviously, we can thank the King for a, a bank holiday. But well, imagine if Everton won and those two lost, Leicester oh, and Forest massive, lost. Absolutely imagine. massive. Imagine that. Um, on the flip side imagine we lost in those two one don't 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But anyway, moving on, a quick thank you to our patrons. Thanks for supporting the podcast as always. If you want access to all of our exclusive content on our Patreon, there is a link below, as I've kind of subliminally said throughout this free podcast. On Monday, we played Brighton and Hove Albion. They are really, really, really good side. They were looking to get European football. We're recording this on Thursday, so they play Manchester United tonight, then an us on Monday. Two fixtures in five days. You're going, aren't you? Quite the distance for I you. I am. Yeah, I am going to Brighton. I'm actually traveling down on the Sunday. I'm going to stay the night in Brighton and then spend a bit of Monday there before the game, have a walk around. Um, yeah, tough game. Really, really tough game. You know, they're coming off the back of a their last home game against Wolves. They won 6-0. Just um, looked at the team. They, they rested about five big players. I, I know, so. we're just looking at it now. I mean, they rested a lot of players. They rested, for that Wolves game, they rested the likes of Sosaido, Matoma, uh, McAllister. They had no Ferguson, the young lad up top. They're, they're a decent side, Brighton. Really, really good side. Um, they deserve all the plaudits that they're currently getting. You know, you look at them. They're currently Could have done us eighth. a favour and beat Forrest, though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think that was just a bit of a hangover from the from the FA Cup, wasn't it, against Manchester United. Um, they're currently sitting in eighth, as it stands. They've got three games in hand I know, I've seen that, yeah. over Villa and Spurs, and they're only two points behind them in sixth, seventh and sixth, respectively. So... Yeah, I think it's a tough game. I think it's a real, real tough game. Um, we've got our work cut out down there. We really, really... They can score goals. They do score goals for fun. Um, Lewis Dunk's a phenomenal defender, by the way. They've scored 61 goals this year, Brighton, so far. Triple us. 61 goals. They're scoring two a game. They've got Lewis Dunk and Aaron Webster. How many have they conceded, can you see? Uh, 40. So they do concede, to be fair. They do concede. You know, it's over one a game they're conceding, but they're, they're averaging two a game scoring, so... They're a decent outfit, mate. They are. Um, we're going to find it hard. Let's be honest. I think it's going to be a real, real difficult game. They've, like you said, they've scored over doublers <coughs> in fewer games. They've only played 31 and we've played 34 and they've still scored doublers. I'll take a sloppy one. They'll win right now. Are you making any changes to that starting team? Well, obviously, everyone's going to talk about Michael Keane again, aren't they? I know we've, we've done it. We spoke about him. Um, that, you know, Sean Dyche, he likes Tarkovsky and Keane. So don't be surprised if he sticks with Keane. Nathan Patterson, I imagine, will get the nod at right back. Um, Onan has done a few bit of gym work and stuff, bit of light training sort of thing. So there's obviously a very, very good chance he'll be back for Monday against Brighton. But I, I would personally would like to see James Garner keep his position. I thought he was very good and I think he deserves to keep his slot uh, in the in the Everton midfield. What, any changes for you? <sighs> Probably the same, yeah. I'd want to see Michael Keane come out um, of that back line. I just think, you know, with shipping goals... It just gives that fans a bit of a, a subliminal boost before the game when you see the starting lineups to think like, oh, he has actually changed it. Because he, he spoke about, you know, lack of football. He, he said that in one of his, you know, embargo presses, a lack of football for Yerry Mean and Mason Holgate. And that's why he's playing Michael Keane. But when Michael Keane came into the team, he'd actually played less football than the pair of them together. 
So that comment was just a bit bewildering. And he says he bases it on form. And it, the stats things that say for themselves. I think Jamie Carragher did a, did a piece on Monday Night Football. I think we've conceded is it 18 goals with Michael Keane and the team. Over two goals a game we're conceding. We conceded another two on Monday night. So I think that takes us to 20 goals. I think the points per game are less. We've won one in 10 with Michael Keane and the team. With Connor Cody, it was two wins and four under Sean Dyche. Obviously, he did have a, a bit of a bad game. I think it was against Aston Villa. I think that's when the changes happened, wasn't mm. it? Um, obviously, Connor Cody played against Arsenal. He won 1-0, played very well. Um, and then, we, you know, we, he didn't really... He got beat by Liverpool and, and we got another win under our belt with Connor Cody playing. And then he suddenly changed it to Michael Keane. I think it was Arsenal away was the first one, wasn't it? And then we shipped four goals. And I understand he likes a deep-lying block, but... Connor Cody's just, it's got a bit more about him, you know, his passes are actually meaningful and mm. it's not just like a, a Sam Wedge lobbed up front, isn't it? And just hope for the best. Connor Cody is a very good ball playing centre half. Now, yeah, probably Michael Keane off the team. I'd probably stick with James Garner. Ahead of Onana. Ahead of Onana. I'd really? potentially look to bring Onana on after the 60, 70 minute marks, you know, that little bit of burst. What I will say is, and it's the first time Sean Dice has done this away at Leicester, he had two holding midfielders. Yeah, he did. James Garner and Idrissa Garner-Gay were very deep. They were next to each other. It was almost like a 4-2-3-1, which I really like. It was to stop Madison getting was, space. They didn't give Madison space, which forced him out wide Correct. to try and double up. So I like that. And it's going to be the same. Um, we've obviously Brighton, they've got Pascal Gross, who's a great player. Mm. Matomu's on the wing, he might try and cut inside. Yeah. McAllister, you know. Undev. He's, they've got some serious, serious players, Brighton. So again, that's probably what I'd like to see. But anyway, thanks for listening. Give us a subscribe below, a review, uh, any feedback would be absolutely brilliant. Uh, if it's good, negative, bad, it's not going to be about me if it's about the bobble make sure you tell him that he's very poor <laughs> talking but yeah as always get in touch with us through our social media channels our platforms um, and head over to the page if you want to give us a go um, we do do so much you know amongst the community we, we are really proud of what we do here mm, at the Bullens the growth we've seen it's been absolutely phenomenal we can't thank each and every one of you even just listening to these free podcasts honestly means the absolute world to us so in the meantime stay safe all the very best up the toffees <laughs>